Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome into another edition of Final Whistle. As always, I'm your host, Blaine Spencer. Today we're going to be addressing a couple different areas that's been going on this week. As you can see behind me with a little bit of my backdrop, uh, Arizona Cardinals and that miraculous win that they pulled off this past weekend. They're also the team that's playing on Thursday Night Football this week, so I'll be providing my Thursday Night Football pick. Then, secondly, we're going to be talking a little bit about the NBA. The NBA started having trades this past uh, yesterday. Some big trades had already happened between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. As well as then, I'm going to give you a little bit of a scoop of my uh, NFL, uh, excuse me, NBA mock draft that's going to be previewing the lottery picks. And I'll give you some more in-depth about my 14 selections for the lottery. But welcome into another edition of Final Whistle. So let's start off with this team behind me here, the Arizona Cardinals, taking down the Buffalo Bills this past weekend, 32-30. to And the game was went down all the way down to the wire. Buffalo trailing late. Josh Allen makes a, an incredible throw to Stephon Diggs where he lays out to take the lead. Um, going up with a roughly 35 seconds left and then... Something crazy happened. Kyler Murray, on the uh, with 20 seconds left, rolls out to his left, evades two pass rushers, and just heaves it up to his man, the new acquisition from Houston, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins ends up what he calls, in his terms, in his uh, post game, a little NBA terminology, dunking on these boys, dunked on three Buffalo Bills defenders, going up, snagging it, scoring with one second remaining. Uh, then they ended up not kicking the extra point, uh, just taking a knee to ensure that there was no two-point play being run back the other way. Cardinals end up winning 32-30. to Just an incredible football game. If you were listening to me on Friday, I told you to take the Buffalo Bills plus two and a half. And they needed, every, they needed that half a point desperately, especially after just the heroics that's happening in Arizona. Kyler Murray has become nothing short of sensational with this acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins. He's, his game has now been taken to another level. He's got the opportunity to be a quarterback that's going to be throwing for over 4,000 yards and potentially 1,000 yards rushing. Just unheard of. And then uh, just watching that game, first thing that came to mind after that play is just Bill O'Brien like and Deshaun Watson. Where, Why are you trading DeAndre Hopkins for basically nothing? And then resulting in then putting the Cardinals potentially a year ahead of schedule. Now they're six and three. They're technically based on tiebreaker leading the NFC West, which is unquestionably the best division in football with a three week tie between the Cardinals Rams and Seahawks all at six and three. And then you have the San Francisco 49ers behind them. But ultimately what is just, what does this say about uh, how Kyler Murray just wants the ball in his hands, especially after last week, uh, critical, coaching error by Kingsbury and Kyler Murray went over to him, leave the ball in my hands and I'll get the job done next time. And he pulls off something miraculous. It was nothing short of sensational. It reminded me about those Aaron Rodgers Hail Marys that he's pulled off. Even the one that he pulled off twice against Arizona because the first one was called back uh, due to a penalty. But still, it just showcases the ability 
and potential that these Arizona Cardinals have. I do have a lot of questions on the back end, which uh, is uh, inevitable with the Cardinals at the moment. They brought in an offensive-minded coach who runs an air raid style offense. So uh, defense usually, especially in the where he came from in Texas Tech, uh, defense was extremely optional. So you you thought defense would struggle a little bit, but you've seen flashes. They make those critical turnovers in critical situations like they did against Seattle in that victory on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks back. But just, uh, just, it's just, I can't even put words into it. It was just awesome to see. You saw probably the two next stars in football, uh, especially at the quarterback position and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray just go duel it out in the last last minute of the game. It was awesome to watch. And they both have been ele- uh, with um, – being elevated to another level with the uh, acquisitions of their wide receivers with Stephon Diggs for the Bills and uh, now Hopkins for the Cardinals. Just a great football game. Uh, luckily, the Buffalo Bills did save me there with uh, – oh, no, I mean Kingsbury saved me there, excuse me, by uh, not kicking the extra point and taking that knee. So we, we covered. Uh, I did go 4-2 uh, and two this week on my locket in pick, so we made you guys some money, which is very exciting to know about. Um well, let's transition now to the next game that I wanted to discuss. Uh, staying in that NFC West, as I mentioned, the Los Angeles Rams actually played Seattle this week. They took them down 23-16. to And just from what I'm seeing is that the Los Angeles Rams defense, I think in my opinion, is the has put Los Angeles Rams in front of this division at the moment. The team is just more complete. Uh, they have a run game now with that three-headed monster and Cam Akers, uh, Malcolm Brown, and Daryl Henderson. So you just not, don't know who's going to get the ball there. Then you have the play action and creativity of uh, Sean McVay as the head coach, as well as having a quality quarterback in Jared Goff, who has his ups and downs, but he definitely is has proven himself in this league so far, already taking the Rams to the Super Bowl. And you just have weapons with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup on the outside, Tyler Higbee, and the list goes on. But um, the Rams have showcased their defense, especially in these past couple weeks. After laying it, they laid an egg against Miami, but the defense wasn't at fault at that. There was some turnovers and uh, the special teams plays that Miami had to make just to uh, squeak out with a victory there. So learning a lot. Jalen Ramsey is an absolute stud. We knew this, but he has risen that defense to another level. Aaron Donald didn't even have a sack. Uh, on Sunday, and yet they were pressuring Russell Wilson like there was no tomorrow, and we're seeing the vulnerability that is in the Seattle Seahawks, especially when it it comes down to Russell Wilson just has to play hero ball for them to be competitive. Uh, they lost 23 to 16. Wilson struggled as like he did the previous week. He had 250 yards, two interceptions. Uh, he had, didn't throw a touchdown this week, which was surprising. But the, credit to those Rams. If I had to pick a team right now to win the, that division, it's probably Los Angeles, and then I would take Seattle. I think Seattle and Arizona both have a great chance this year to make the playoffs as wild card teams. But I'm, if I had to pick a team to win the division, I'd take the Rams just because of that defense. They're more well-rounded at the moment. But you can't take any credit away from Seattle or Arizona. Seattle, Russell Wilson is the only reason that they've won games. If you probably take Russell Wilson off the Seattle Seahawks, they might they're easily only have probably one or two wins, if that. 
they might be they might be competing with the Jets for the worst team in football. That defense has just been horrid. They did play better this week against the Rams, only holding them to 23 points. Uh, but what else is to say? Again, Arizona Cardinals. I thought they were a year away. They're proving me wrong right now, and I predicted them to have seven or eight wins this year, and they're already at six. So they're making the huge jumps, uh, especially in Arizona. So this is great. Uh, remember, Thursday night football is Arizona versus Seattle. I'm going to give you my pick a little bit later uh, regarding that one as I wrap up the show. But lastly, we're going to transition to the final game that I thought was of great importance this week was Baltimore versus New England. New England winning that game 23-17 to over a Baltimore team that just doesn't look right. Uh, Lamar Jackson has been talking a lot with the media, how they think players uh, on the other side know what they're going to run and just like he needs another offensive weapon. I mean, his passing wasn't great, but you also have to give credit to <laughs> that was some New England weather. So uh, this past weekend, absolute torrential downpour. Uh, you knew throwing the ball was going to be at a minimum this uh, this past weekend on Sunday Night Football. And the Patriots defense made enough plays, and just uh, Cam Newton made enough plays. You can just see here, Lamar went 24-34, 250, two touchdowns, one interception. Cam Newton only threw the ball 17 times for only 118 yards. New England just became a ground-and-pound team and rely on their defense. That's what we're starting to see here. They kind of found an identity. I mean, it helps to get out of a slump buster game when you play the Jets on Monday Night Football the week before. That helps you get a win, I think. But they learned a lot. They had to rally in that game, especially in the fourth quarter, to win it outright. Uh, and then playing a team against Baltimore, Bill Belichick, he knows how to handle these big-time teams. They held the Chiefs in check. They've held the Ravens now in check. It just showcases his ability to game plan. And if the game plan goes uh, goes well and the players are able to complete his game plan and his vision they are they still have the capability of beating any team in this league if everything goes well so just a huge shout out to the Patriots they're now four and five I mean let's see what do they have left on their schedule I'm just trying to pull it up here you have the Texans it's a winnable game this week then you have Arizona Chargers Rams Dolphins Bills Jets so I mean it's still very difficult for them to potentially make you make a run at the playoffs but they they easily still have all those games. I would say are all winnable games in my opinion. I mean that Rams games on a Thursday night on a short week, so that might be a little bit difficult for them, especially when you're traveling to the West Coast. But I think they have a chance to to win every every. They have an opportunity to win every game. They probably won't be favored in every game, of course, but they have a chance. And if, with the mind that is Bill Belichick, he's got all the potential in the world to be able to uh, help them stay relatively competitive and give them a chance, an outside look at a potential wild, wild card berth. But again, about the Ravens, they just look lost. They're not, not even close to that team that they were a year ago, and many thought they, that they had actually have acquired pieces now that make them better. But I think the whole issue, I think, now is that they're struggling to – they're forcing Lamar his hand. They're trying to make him a pocket passer. He's not. Let him be an athlete and let him showcase his ability to be great because that's what he is with the football. He's great. And any given day, he can, he's, he, he's most usually the most gifted player on the field probably 95% of the time. 
except when the Chief, he plays the Chiefs and the Patrick Mahomes is on the other side. But still, he's arguably the, every time the best player on the field. Just let him be that best player. I don't understand why they just won't let him. I know the comparisons to Michael Vick. I mean, he doesn't throw the ball as well like Michael Vick, but he is a he throws it better than Michael Vick in my opinion. But he's still he's got that ability just to make a wow plays. Just let him do him. That's I, just go back to his Heisman year at Louisville. Just let him be great. Especially like last year. Just let him be great. Let him do him. Don't force him into something that he's not because he's never going to be a pocket passer. Never. Never going to be a pocket passer. Just let him be the best player on the field and make you plays and win games. Simple enough. Greg Roman, offensive coordinator. Figure that out. You had a great game plan last year, and it looks like you completely avoided that this year. So why why would you try and uh, break something when it wasn't broken? Yeah, he struggled in the playoffs. That's because the Ravens aren't a team that built as a team to play from behind, and you can see that every week. Like if, if they fall behind behind double digits, they don't win. So, But you have Lamar Jackson, you get that one stop, and you should be able to go right down the field and take the lead. So come on now. Just let him – let Lamar loose. Let him loose. Give him the opportunity to be a superstar because he is a superstar, and you're trying to force him into a pocket passer. I know you – the potential of injury is there, but who cares? Who cares? Let him be great. All right. Now I'm on my off my Baltimore rant for a little bit here. We're going to transition over to the NBA for a little while. We're going to and then I'll jump back into my Thursday night football pick. Um, but as we mentioned, uh, tomorrow night is the uh, NBA draft lottery, uh, NBA draft, excuse me. And I ended up creating a little bit of a mock draft myself. It uh, details um, uh, the top 14 picks, which is uh, all the lottery picks. Because after the lottery, it's uh, the draft becomes very need-based. So you can there's usually three or four players that are on that uh, potential board that can be taken by those uh, outside the lottery team. So. I, so I stopped at 14 thinking that was the smartest decision because I had a, a very good idea of, of probably those two or two players for each team and then selecting based off of those two players. So without further ado, let's go on the clock with uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. We're going to only we'll – I'm going to go in-depth with probably the first five to seven picks and then I'll just get, rally off the, the rest of my picks here, okay? So – uh, without further ado, the Minnesota Timberwolves are on the clock. I have them selecting Anthony Edwards, the guard out of Georgia, uh, as the number one overall pick. Yes, there is speculation that Lamella Ball will be going number one, but I just have heard too much inconsistency there regarding um, Lamella Ball. So I think the Minnesota Timberwolves should select the best uh, prospect, in my opinion, in this draft, and he's the perfect fit for this team with D'Angelo Russell as a as a combo guard who will pro he's more of a point guard in my opinion when he's more of a ball handler and he's the ball in his hands uh likes the pick and roll with Carl Anthony Townsend you can have Anthony Edwards play off the ball he's a spot up shooter he's can shoot from anywhere as soon as he steps into the parking lot he's got that quality of range so I would without a doubt in my mind I think Anthony Edwards is the best pick for the Timberwolves. I know Lamella Ball probably is the biggest upside, but 
I don't think it's a question here about um, Minnesota. Take Anthony Edwards. He's going to be a stud in this league, Perenni a potential all-star. He'll be a top 10 three-point shooter in percentage every year. So take Edwards here. It's uh, almost a no-brainer in my opinion. Now we're going to transition to the Golden State Warriors. I got my Warriors gear on today. I am a diehard Warriors fan growing up in the Bay Area. Um, don't worry, guys. I was a fan when Gilbert Arenas was still on the team in the early 2000s. So just get you in mind, I'm not a bandwagon fan, okay? Not a bandwagon fan. Um, but I have them taking James Wiseman. Uh, again, these mock drafts are based off if the teams have the pick. Personally, I think the Warriors will probably trade out. Uh, but I like James Wiseman fear. I think he's a perfect fit. You have the Spash brothers coming back from injury. You added Andrew Wiggins, who's almost a better version of Harrison Barnes on that first championship team that they had. Uh, you have Draymond. And then you just need a solid big man, a defensive big man who can score. He can play defense. And he knows how to score in the post. So James Wiseman, I think it's a no-brainer here. It won't even be a perennial question of whether or not if he's on the board that the Warriors won't take him here. So I'm going to keep that short and simple. Uh, James Wiseman out of Memphis, the center. Uh, number three, the Charlotte Hornets. We're going to be going with, again, here. I think this was a no-brainer because they were either between Edwards and Edwards and uh, Ball. So with Edwards off the board, I have LaMelo Ball going at number three. And you got to look at the Charlotte Hornets here. They're not their roster is relatively young. You have Miles Bridges, uh, as well as you have Devonte Graham as a spot up shooter. You have Terry Rozier that you brought in from Boston uh, with that sign and trade with Kemba Walker, basically ultimately. And then here, this is an opportunity where I think you're going to have a little bit of impact from the goat, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, I think, is going to have a little bit of an impact on how to get Lamelo Ball. And he's probably the only person I really trust that could handle the Ball family. Uh, especially if, uh, depending on how much uh, LaMelo's dad is involved. Because I know in New Orleans, Lonzo doesn't have his dad as involved anymore. So, But LaMelo, I think he's going to go third to Charlotte. I think it's a great pickup for Charlotte. Because you're going to have, he's, he's going to be someone that's going to fill up the seats. And that's what you need in Charlotte. You need to be able to be able to sell tickets. Especially in that kind of market. Uh, and then you have Michael Jordan. I think he's going to have a little bit of an imprint here on how to get Lomelo's game, and the, uh, especially with the potential of scoring and his shooting ability to, uh, to get raised up in the th from mid-range to the three-point arc. So I think Michael Jordan will have a little bit of imprint here for Charlotte. Love the pick. I think it will be a perfect fit. You can put him at uh, either you can play him as the point guard off the bench or you're going to start him and you're going to probably make Devontae Graham move to the bench because I think Devontae Graham was a very solid six man when he was there before he moved to the starting lineup last year. So he'll probably move back in my opinion. So then we're going to move to the number four overall pick, which is the Chicago Bulls. I have them taking Denny Avidja. He is the... Uh, guy out of Europe. I do not know much about him, so I can't really say much here, but he's a fit. He's a fit pick for um, for the Bulls, so I think this was uh, more simple than many people thought, so I think Denny Avidja, he's a combo shooting guard, small forward kind of-ish player. Uh, you needed another scoring capability uh, guard, uh, small forward. Small forward was kind of the position that they were looking for here, so... 
Uh, especially he'll be able to come off the bench when you already have uh, Otto Porter, Zach Levine and company, as well as uh, for the Chicago Bulls. He'll be a very good bench piece, I think, to start. Uh, so, And then number five, we have – who's five? Excuse me. We have the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think this was uh, pretty much of a no-brainer with Obi Toppin uh, out of Dayton. A small forward, power forward uh, position combo. You can stretch out, stretch four pretty much. He's got all the tools. He can score the ball at will, and that's what the Cavaliers need. They need scorers. And Toppin will be able to bring that in instantaneously. Excuse me. For them. Just someone who can score the ball, and that will be a huge success for them. So now transitioning to the number six pick. We're going to be talking about, excuse me if I botch this, Onyeke Ongongwu. And he will be going to, who's on the clock? I believe it's the Atlanta Hawks. Yep, Atlanta Hawks are on the clock. Onyeke Ongongwu, he's going to be a solid defensive piece here. Uh, I think he's going to be the fit that the Hawks are looking for to come off the bench. Yes, they just did acquire Clint Capella. Uh, but he's going to be the best player available on the board. And at this point, once you get past usually the first five to six or seven picks, you're looking for the best player or the better fit in your lineup. So I like Ogonwu out of USC. Um, but watch out for a potential trade in this spot as well. You have the Wizards, Spurs, and Celtics who might be looking for a center. So, But I like him being a solid finisher, especially with the pick-and-roll ability of Trey Young uh, there. So like that fit. Uh, number seven is the Detroit Pistons. I have them taking Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State, the point guard. Um, but they need um, they need a, a they need a point guard, especially they haven't had anything since uh, Derrick Rose left. Um, and then he'd be able to complement uh, Rose's downhill game, especially after the acquisition of Rose. Um, He's a long-term fit too, and he can, he's a shoot. He can score. He's a combo. He's more of a combo guard, I can, I would say. He's got the ability to shoot the ball. He's got a lot of versatility and flexibility for a lottery team. And I think Detroit's trying to build something at the moment. He has to have Blake Griffin. He brought in Derrick Rose to potentially being a a piece to hold down the fort at the moment. But then I would think uh, Halliburton would be able to groom uh, and play right away. So number eight as the New York Knicks. I actually have them taking Isaac Okoro out of Auburn. I love Okoro's game. He's got a small forward shooting guard ability slash power forward. He's like undersized, so he can play in multiple areas. He's very versatile, um, and he's probably the best uh, defensive player uh, left on the board at that point, especially for his position. He can lock down the perimeter and in the paint. He's able to guard multiple positions I just mentioned, so I think he's a very... Um, Easy pick there. Uh, number nine is the Washington Wizards. I have them taking Precious Ochua, another player out of Memphis. Uh, he's a he's this another big man that complimented James Wiseman. He's the other uh, the little twin towers that they had going there. Another defensive guy hold down the fort uh, after the especially after uh, Okoro was probably their main guy going ahead to the Knicks I had here. Achua was probably the next best option. So, And then just to round out my top 10, I had Aaron Nesmith 
going to the Phoenix Suns, especially after the deal that was made by Chris Paul. We're going to start detailing that next after this segment. But uh, Phoenix acquired Chris Paul. They gave away a lot of capital, but they didn't give away this year's pick. So uh, like Nesmith here, he shot 52% from three, uh, but he did get injured. Uh, that's probably the only issue. He injured his foot, so you don't, you don't have a lot of film on him. But knockdown shooter. Again, uh, probably the best shooter after Edwards uh, in this draft. So I like that here. And then I'm just going to roam through the last four picks here. I'm not going to go into detail. Uh, San Antonio Spurs, I have them taking Killian Hayes, uh, the guard out of Europe. I think he's uh, that's what San Antonio usually does. They find a nice little European or uh, international guard to complement their team. So I like Killian Hayes there. Number 12 to the Kings, I have Devin Vassell, especially them. They trade away their combo guard and Bogdanovich to Milwaukee. Again, I'll go into more detail here, but they need a score. So like Devin Vassell out of Florida State. Number 13, the Pelicans, I have them taking Sadiq Bey. Uh, I think he's just a perfect fit uh, playing. Again, he's a 3 and D guy. He can guard multiple positions. Uh, he'll be a great piece that will come off the bench for them. Uh, for 3 and D situations, and I think he might be a potential uh, player to be in their small ball lineup at the, if they, once they go small. And then lastly, 14th, the Boston Celtics. Uh, I thought Prichuo was, if he didn't uh, go up as high as he did, he was going to be the perfect fit. So they're looking for a center at the moment. So like Jalen Smith out of Maryland, uh, he's a scoring center. He can play defense. But he's able to score the ball in the paint. And he's got a little bit of the ability to stretch out as well. The occasional stretch five. So, But he's more of an interior presence. But that's what Boston's looking for, especially with um, Tyson, Cantor a little bit. Uh, especially uh, especially someone to come off the bench. I think Cantor is not going to start playing as much with if they take Smith here. So those are the 14 lottery picks. Again, uh, just to go through the main top five, uh, Edwards one, Wiseman two, Ball three, Avidja four, Toppin five. And then I rounded out the top 14 and that uh, rounded out the rest of the lottery picks. And then again, I only went to the, through the lottery because I had a better understanding of what teams were looking for. Because once you get past the lottery, it's the teams that have made the playoffs and they're just looking for pieces that will fit. Uh, more fit players, and that ranges from four to five players on their board, so that they could go anywhere at that point. So, again, you want to go with the best available, especially in the lottery with those 14 players. Once they get through the top seven or eight, though, it starts to become more of a fit as well, so it starts to become a little more difficult. But, again, was, that's my little bit of my NBA mock draft. Again, that's tomorrow night. But, as I mentioned, there were some big trades that happened last yesterday as the trade – the official allowing of trades in the NBA was opened yesterday, and there were some couple big ones that happened. Again, as I mentioned, the Phoenix Suns made a trade for Chris Paul. They gave up, gave up a lot of capital for him. Um, it was They gave up Kelly Oubre, uh, as well as some other uh, key players, Ty Jerome. Um, uh, Abdel Nader is part of the trade with Chris Paul going to Phoenix. And then they gave up, a, I think it was two first, it was, it was a, at least two to three first round picks for him on top of three or four players for Chris Paul and Abdel Nader. Uh, I don't know if the Suns gave up too much for him. I think in my opinion at this point in Chris Paul's career, it might have been too much. But I do know this is going to help Devin Booker 
become a perennial scoring guard that people are going to be like, he can put the ball in the basket at any moment. He's got all the tools to score. He had to become more of a, a ball handler last year. But I think, especially with the Phoenix Suns, they didn't have to give away Aiton. You didn't have to give away Bridges. You didn't have to give away Cam Johnson. You didn't have to give away any of those first rounders that you had that have already drafted that were part of that core that was killing it in the bubble this season. I know you did get get rid of Ricky Rubio, but that was inevitable. Ricky Rubio is a piece that usually is the point guard that gets shipped around from team to team. Uh, so, but... Look at Oklahoma City now. You brought in, you have so many picks. And again, we're going to talk about the Bucks, who just acquired Drew Holiday. But the, the Oklahoma City Thunder and New Orleans Pelicans are going to be the two teams drafting about every other pick. It's going to go OKC, New Orleans, OKC, 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 New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans. It's going to go back and forth. Those two teams have so many draft picks for the rest of their, uh, for the next three to four years. So watch out. Uh, I think those two are, teams are going to be, especially New Orleans this year. If you they can capitalize on a couple of their picks, they're going to be they're going to have a they're they're going to be one of the funnest teams to watch. New Orleans and then OKC, I think, in a little bit of a rebuild. They're also trying to potentially trade Schroeder to the, the Lakers. That was another big deal that was announced. That hasn't been finalized, but word is Schroeder's trying to be. Uh, Lakers are trying to acquire Dennis Schroeder there as well. So the, the Thunder are cleaning house a little bit, trying to acquire picks. So, but again, Phoenix, uh, they definitely are now a, a contender. Not a, I wouldn't say a contender, but a playoff bound team. With this acquisition of Paul, you're gonna have the leadership. You're gonna have different tools that you can utilize now with him. And then, in other words, you're gonna see a lot of continuity uh, brought in uh, with Aiton. He's gonna thrive with Chris Paul. Just like how DeAndre Jordan did and when he went to the Clippers. I think that you'll see a lot of uh, alley-oop runs there. You'll see him become a, a, a 24 and potentially 10 guy now this year. And you just know Devin Booker is going to be dropping 25 to 35 every night. So, But in, the, in those cases. And then, uh, again, Milwaukee. Milwaukee was another big story. Again, Giannis is up for his... Supermax this year, it's five years that could range from 220 to 250. Yeah, that's a lot of bread. But he told Milwaukee that they got to make moves and you got to be willing to either spend the money in free agency or make moves in trades and give up some assets to bring in some players. And that's exactly what they did. They brought uh, Bucks traded for, again, Drew Holiday and Sacramento Kings Bogdan Bogdanovich in a sign and trade. So, again, so the Kings and, and the Kings trade for Bogdanovich. Kings get Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, Ursan Ilasova, while the King uh, Bucks get Bogdanovich and Justin James. So there you go. That's a scoring piece. It's definitely going to probably be coming off the bench. I don't think he's going to be a starter, in my opinion, but he's definitely going to be coming off the bench for sure. And then he might be a starter. Who knows? But he's a guy that can score the basketball as a combo guard, play off the ball or have the ball in his hands. I think the Kings really wanted to keep him, but it felt like the Bucks just gave away too many pieces and that they couldn't refuse. Like the Bucks traded away half their team this last night, uh, giving away four players. And then in the uh, as far as the holiday trade here, 
Milwaukee sending New Orleans. That includes Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first-round picks. So a 2020 from Indiana, and then 2025 and 2027. Uh, and then a pair of pick swaps. Yeah. So remember, Drew Holiday is arguably probably, from what the NBA players say, that he's probably the best defensive guard in the league. So, and he can score, he can defend all five positions, which is incredible. Like, uh, on the J.J. Redick, Old Man in the Three podcast, him and Kevin Durant were on, and they easily said that Drew Holiday's are easily the best defender in the NBA. And he doesn't get that credibility because he plays on the Pelicans team that gives up a lot of points. But if you're watching Drew Holiday, he's the easily the best defender. If you're watching tape, he just, the guy, you, you, you can't get around him. You're able to, he's able to stay in position so well, and he's developed a very solid offensive game, which creates a unique piece that what the Bucks are looking for, especially with Bledsoe and George Hill. They, they weren't two guys that were they – were, they scored in bursts. It was very hot and cold with those two guys. So I think, again, Pelicans definitely win the trade here with all the amount of assets they bring in. And they're going to be able to play Bledsoe probably right away, unless you go with Nikhil Alexander-Walker as your starting point guard for the Pelicans. But you have Bledsoe, then you have the veteranship of J.J. Redick and George Hill now on the bench. I think it's going to be a very unique opportunity for the Pelicans, and then they have a couple of picks this year that they can capitalize upon. So those are the couple of main trades that I had to discuss, so we'll see how that plays out. But again couple big deals that have opened so far these past couple days. Look out. You're going to see some potential other big trades, especially with um, James Harden, probably the bigger news, biggest news, excuse me, uh, declining his uh, contract extension would have made him a $50 million player a year. Again, let me say that again. 50, $50 million a year. Yeah. I would say I might be taking it because, you know, I ain't making enough money. So, but still. Anyway, but uh, rumor has it he has only two destinations in mind. He wants to either go play for Philadelphia where Daryl Morley, the uh, general manager, now is after he left Houston this year. He's now in Philadelphia with Doc Rivers. Or he wants to go to Brooklyn and join Kyrie and KD and go win a ship. But I, a lot of from what I'm hearing is this is a – uh, opportunity. He knows that Houston is in a little bit more of a rebuild and they want more assets at this point. I think their championship window is over. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago, I believe. But here is an opportunity. Russell Westbrook already wants to be out of Houston, I think, already. So I think it's time to clean house, try and get as many assets and pieces as you can. So if he probably goes to Philadelphia, you're looking for either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid to be traded. Probably more on the Ben Simmons hat. He's more of the ball handler. And then if you're Brooklyn, I don't think you have enough pieces or assets to give away. So you're going to have to contemplate giving Kyrie away. So look out for that. I mean, if Brooklyn really wants James Harden, Kyrie is probably the asset Houston wants or player he wants. You want some superstar potential. Otherwise, you're probably giving up Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, all of them. You're cleaning house. You're cleaning all of your young, talented players in order to bring in James Harden. 
And I don't know if it's going to be a fit. You're going to see three ball, especially Harden and Kyrie, two ball-dominant guys, and especially KD's not going to take that, especially after playing with the Splash Brothers, and it's all about who cares. It's the best shot available, and you make that extra pass. And you're going to be playing against two guys that are just going to be ISO, very ISO players. So KD's going to have to, and Steve Nash are going to have to teach those guys to buy it. And I don't like it, but I think... He's, lean, he's definitely leaning towards Brooklyn if he had a preference. So we'll see how that plays out. So big days in the NBA ahead this week. So you had a couple trades yesterday, and then you have the draft tomorrow, and then potentially there's going to be some high dramas in Houston with potentially Westbrook and Harden on the move. So look out for that. Uh, so now we're going to transition to Thursday night football. Again, go back to my background here. we got the Arizona Cardinals that are going to be traveling to Seattle to play the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it's going to be minus three for Seattle. I think this is more of a statement game for the Seahawks. Again, the previous meeting, Cardinals won in overtime, 37-34, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just double-check that for you before I look bad on uh, national television. Or not national television, on YouTube and the, uh, my podcast. Uh, it's going to be available. Uh, let me Hold on here. Sorry, guys. But still, you have, again, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. You know this game's going to be very high scoring, especially with two very suspect defenses, in my opinion. Um, so if I had to pick, I think this is a must-win for the Seahawks. So, uh, yeah, 37-34. Look at me. I'm perfect. Uh, they won that in overtime a couple uh, – about three weeks ago now. So, again, I would – I'm going to – I'm going to lean here, Seattle minus three. That would be my pick for the week, as well as um, watch out for take the over on the passing yards for both quarterbacks because I think they're going to be throwing the ball all over the yard. It's going to be a shootout just like how it was the previous week because both defenses are yielding very high on the defensive side of the ball in points and yards. Uh, if I can pull up those stats. Uh, like Seattle and Arizona are both averaging around 30 to 32 points a game here. So, and Seattle's giving up 30. So, watch out for that. So, and yeah, so take definitely the over on the passing yards. I think uh, the over under is 57 and a half. I think that'll be hit easily. So, I would take Seattle minus three, and then probably take the over under 57 and a half. Take the over there. It's gonna be. I think the game will be in the 30s. Just like how it was in previous weeks, or at least like a 31-28, something like that. So I'm gonna take Seattle minus three. This is like a very interesting line where it could be easily be a push when it's on the number there. So I think three is the number. If you're trying to do an altered spread, maybe move it down to two and a half and take Seattle. So because I, I think three is just about that number where the score differential is gonna be. But I like Seattle, especially at home. So Seattle minus three at home. That's what I would suggest and take. Well, that's another Tuesday edition of Final Whistle. Uh, thanks for listening, and everybody, tune in on Friday. Uh, hope to see you all. Again, enjoy the rest of your week.